this is Chandler Jones, and thank you so much for joining us for this week's podcast. The heart of this podcast is to provide you with inspired preaching and teaching from God's Word that will help you boldly live for Jesus. If you haven't already, I would love for you to subscribe today to this podcast so you won't miss the latest messages. Let's go right into the service recorded at Compassion Church Radford. I believe it will be a blessing to you today. Second Peter chapter 3, I'm going to read this. Therefore, beloved, looking forward, catch that, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. You can be seated. Second Peter 3, what is the context of that? Peter is saying, looking forward to what? These things. And if you read that, it's talking about end times. It's talking about the events that are happening. And what I love that he said is, beloved, looking forward to these things. You know, in life, when you don't look forward to something, you dread it. How many of you look forward to the weekend every week? Amen. You look forward to having a day off. And then there's something about in that weekend that you begin to look forward to Monday, and what does it do? You're, you're up and you enjoy that, but then you think, I got to go to work on Monday, and it lets all the air out of your balloon. When you dread something in the future that's going to happen, what does it do? It takes your enthusiasm right out of you. It causes your mood to bottom out. I read an article that psychologists, they use this strategy for their patients of planning future events that they look forward to. Because what does that do? When you look forward to something, it helps you presently. It encourages you. If you're looking ahead and there's something that you can look forward to, it helps your current situation. Can I tell you for a minute about a, an event, a future event that God has planned that we all should be look, looking forward to, that event is the rapture. That event is something that God has spoken about for thousands of years. It's not happened yet, but it will happen. And when Peter says, looking forward to these things, you know what we have to look forward to? We have something to look forward to and someone to look forward to, and that is Jesus Christ coming back. Amen? When I look at our world and the things happening around me, I'm not too excited. I'm not too optimistic. I am an optimistic person by nature. I'm not a half glass empty. I believe I'm a half glass full, and somebody said it earlier in the uh, first service that when we have the Lord... You're not half empty or half full. Your cup's running over. And when you think about what's going to happen in the future, your cup is running over with joy and expectation and peace that something good is about to happen. I've looked enough at things going on around me to see that it doesn't look very good. And what happens when you get so uh, horizontally focused 
you are you can become depressed and confused and worried and troubled and i believe that is the description of most people today when they look at what's taking place in our world today but bless God, Jesus didn't say to ever look at what's happening around you. He said, when these things begin to happen, look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. Amen? We don't have to look at what is taking place around us. We are to focus on what is ahead of us, looking forward to these things. And the next event is the rapture of the church. Peter said, when we look forward to these things that God is orchestrating, we can be found in peace. How many of you today say, I need some peace? Peace is not found in anything in this earth. Peace is found in the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Casting our cares on him, looking towards him. We can be found in peace, not stress, not chaos, not an unraveling. And you know, the thing about it is the more I think about Jesus coming back, you know what it does? It gives me peace in my soul, peace in my heart. You see, when you're right with God, you can look forward to the rapture. When you know something good is about to happen in the future, it gives you hope in the present. Hebrews, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Hope is what gets us through from this life to the next life. You see, church, the message of the rapture is a message of hope. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13, it says, Brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have fallen asleep. Catch it. Lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. When we have someone in our life, maybe a friend or a family member, someone that we dearly love, when they die, the natural and residual effect of that is grief, it's sorrow, it's sadness, it's despair. That's normal. That's expected. But if they know Jesus and we know Jesus and we know his promises, we still sorrow. But we don't sorrow without hope. We sorrow with hope that there is something eventually that's going to happen that we can look forward to. Amen? Do, do you believe in what I'm preaching today? That we have something to look forward to in Jesus? The rapture gives us hope, gives us something to look forward to. Romans chapter 5, it says, And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Rejoice in hope. In the glory of God, one of the most quoted and really my personal uh, favorites in the Bible scriptures is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Well, what happens in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5? It comes right after Paul's description of what will happen in the future to the church of Thessalonica. You remember, remember 1 Thessalonians 4, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God, the dead and Christ shall rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with the Lord in the air. But then you go right from chapter 4 into chapter 5, and you know what the Bible says? Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. 
In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know what we're to do right now when our world is falling apart and things are going on? We're not to just be doom and gloom. We're to rejoice, amen? Rejoice always, the Bible says, and to pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks. You say that I can rejoice when I hear about wars and rumors of wars, when I'm seeing natural disaster and there's lawlessness and the love of many has grown cold. I'm supposed to rejoice in that when there's corrupted government and widespread evil on a scale that we've never seen before. You know why we can rejoice? Because this is not our home. And this is only temporary. We're just passing through this life to the next life. That's why we can rejoice because we have hope. We have something to look forward to when Jesus comes back to take us from this place. Paul said it like this to Titus. Titus was a young preacher of the gospel. Look at Titus 2 and 13. He says, looking forward that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our blessed hope today is not found in our president. It's not found in the next president. It's not found in the stock market. It's not found in the money market. It's not found in our bank account. It's not found in modern medicine. Our blessed hope is in our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, that will one day come back. And it will be a glorious day. Hallelujah. I don't know what you're looking for, but I'm looking for him. I'm looking for him when he splits the sky wide open. Jesus Christ coming back. I love the old song. It said, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Not only is the message of the rapture a message of hope, it's a message of great comfort. I said in 1 Thessalonians 4, talking about Jesus coming back. But if you look at 1 Thessalonians 4 and 18, it says, Therefore comfort one another with these words. The words of what? The words of the rapture. The word comfort in the Greek, you know what it means? It means relief. It means relief. You know what relief looks like? <sighs> It's an alleviation. It's a re relief of what you're presently going through. Something changes. What's interesting to me about the word comfort in the context of the rapture, this is it. Relief is coming. Relief is on the way. Relief from what we're going through. So when we are to think on the rapture, when we're to hear about the rapture, when we're to open our Bible and read about that coming, when Jesus comes back, guess what it is? It's relief coming. That's why Paul would say the present sufferings of our present day are not worthy to be compared to the future glory that will be revealed in the book of Romans. There's a divine comfort that is released in our soul that helps us and strengthens us that there will be a day of great relief. Praise God. John chapter 14, when Jesus spoke of his ascension and his return, the Bible says that the disciples were freaking out. 
And he said, it's expedient for you that I go away. I will send the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. I will not leave you as orphans. I will pray to the Father. And he will give you a comforter that will be with you until the end. Jesus promised them that the Holy Spirit would remain in them forever. And that the Holy Spirit would be the great comforter. I'm not talking about a blanket that you get under. I'm talking about the comforter, the helper, the one that will come alongside you when you're struggling, when you're hurting, when you're going through affliction, when things are not happening the way you wanted them to go. You have a great comfort in knowing that you do not do life alone. Aren't you thankful today that we're not comfortless, we're not orphans, we have someone, the Spirit of God with us always. But guess what? One day, there will be no trials. There will be no afflictions. There will be no more temptation. All of that will cease when Jesus comes back. The rapture is a message of hope and comfort, but the rapture will also bring change. You know, right now, all the school board stuff going on and all the elections getting ready to come up, this is what politicians promise. You know what they promise every next election? Change. How many of you say, I really want some change? Amen. And they promise there'll be change and there'll be new laws and there'll be new things. And they're promoting change and saying it's going to happen. And it's not happened. But you can be confident of this thing. When Jesus comes, there will be change. There will be a change unlike ever before. 1 Corinthians 15 and 51, Paul said, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Here it is. But we shall all be changed. Hallelujah. What changes will happen when the rapture takes place? Number one, our destination will change. You will no longer be on this earth. You will be with the Lord in paradise. No longer will we be on earth and God will be with us. We'll be in heaven and we will be with God. We will be present with the Lord. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. You'll be in the home that you've always dreamed for. I'm about to really preach good. I'm about to turn on my prosperity preaching for a minute. Because a lot of people say, I want to serve God for what I can get. When the rapture happens, you will get what you've been promised. You will receive a mansion in the skies that were never created by man. I think about mansions and how beautiful they are and how amazing they are. You know, one day, I will be in a mansion. I'll be in the place that God has prepared for me. And think about it like this. No bills, amen? No mortgage, amen. Come on now, y'all wake up a little bit when you heard about being debt-free. No 30-year fixed mortgage, no 15-year fixed mortgage, whatever they are, interest rates. You try to buy a house today, you've almost got to be rich to buy a house today. But you know what? One day, you'll, you'll be in a house that you didn't pay for. It was bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ, amen. My reward is in heaven. My reward is there. The mansion will be mortgage-free. It will be rent-free. It will be debt-free. Praise God. Amen.
You know what else I love about it? I'll never have to cut grass again. I'll never have to weed eat again. I'll never have to blow leaves again. I'll never have to, oh my goodness, clean a bathroom again. I hate doing that. I'll never have to get on my knees. And you know what I've never understood? My wife will say, will you clean out the shower? I'll say, honey, every time I take a shower, this thing is getting cleaned. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> no more doing the mop, doing the broom. That will, man, are you glad of that today? My destination's changing. The next change that will happen, your, <laughs> this place better come unglued when I say this. Your body will change, amen? Aren't you glad of that? Come on. Your body's going to change. Some people think when we get to heaven, we'll be like ghosts and we'll be like spirits and we'll be like Casper. That is not the Bible. Guess what the Bible is, though? We will have a new glorified body. You remember when Jesus had resurrected and he had returned and he was with the disciples? You remember what Thomas said? Thomas said, unless I put my hands, put my fingers in his hands, and unless I touch his side, I will not believe. Jesus appeared unto them, and you know what he told Thomas? He said, Thomas, behold my hands. He said, behold my side. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God, he believed. Jesus had a resurrected, glorified body. And we too will have a glorified body. I'm about to really preach good. You'll be able to eat and feast and do whatever you want in heaven and never worry. I hear it now. Never worry about gaining a pound. Amen? Amen. Amen. He's preaching like I want this morning. Amen. No more diets, no more keto, no more fasting. <laughs> no more trying to eat good and trying to lose weight. No more salad in heaven, amen? It, it says we will be with the marriage supper of the Lamb. Praise God, fried chicken. You got to have fried chicken. The body is going to be changed. No more cancer on a serious note. No more heart disease, no more deformities, no more mental illness. All of that, we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, but it's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness but it is raised in power. Our bodies will be incorruptible, glorified, and powerful. But the greatest change that will happen, it won't be your destination. It won't be your body being perfect. The greatest change that will happen for all of us that are born again, the greatest change is this, and we shall be like Jesus. That will be the greatest change. We shall be like him. 1 John 3 and 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he 
is. What does it mean that we shall be like him? Right now, our spirit, we have a, we've been born again. Our spirit has changed, but we still have, we have a new nature, but we still have a fallen nature that we deal with. It's called the flesh. But one day, when Jesus comes back, you're never going to have to fight the flesh anymore. You're never going to have to worry about sin anymore. When it says you shall be like him, we will be perfect and whole and complete. Our struggles with sin. Can I just be honest right now? Paul said it like this. He said, the things that I hate to do, I find myself doing. And many people today, they're still living a life of sin. And I hope you hate your sin. I really do. It's one of the indicators that you've been born again. But one day, you will not have to strive and struggle and wrestle with your sin man anymore. You shall be like him. You shall be like him. There'll be no more guilt. There'll be no more shame. There'll be no more struggle. Right now, we are under the blood of Jesus Christ. Every sin is. But when we leave this earth and go to heaven, everything will be left behind. That flesh will be left behind. Philippians 1 and 6, it says, Being confident of this very thing. Here it is. That he who has begun a good work in you, salvation, in you will be complete until the day of Jesus Christ. Here's a big term. It will be glorification. Right now, we are in salvation. We've been saved from the penalty of sin. But the day of Jesus Christ, we shall be glorified with him. I want to tell you a story really to summarize this. This is a true story that happened in January of this year. There was a professional NBA player by the name of Jalen Duran. He was on the Detroit Pistons. He was ready to make his appearance on the court. He had superstar potential. Jalen Duran and his Detroit Pistons were scheduled in January 2023 in a series against their rival, the Chicago Bulls. But the game was not played in Chicago or Detroit. It was an international game that would be played outside of the United States in a different destination. This game was to be played in Paris on an international tour. On the day of the trip, Jalen Duran made sure his bags were packed. He was ready to get back on the court after suffering a minor setback in his, with an injury. Yet when the Pistons boarded the airplane bound for Paris... Jalen Duran wasn't there. When the team took a team photo in front of the Eiffel Tower, he was missing. He wasn't even in the same country. What had happened? He had missed the flight. Before the game, reporters bombarded Pistons head coach Dwayne Casey with questions about Jalen Duran. They said, where is Jalen? Is, is everything okay? Is, is, uh, what's going on? And this is what the coach said. He said, it's a learning experience understanding how important passports are. You see, Jalen Duran had every intention to be on that plane from Detroit to Paris. He was qualified physically. 
He was healed up, had the doctor's approval to play the game. He had received that from team doctors. He was qualified professionally. He was an NBA player, a member of the Detroit Pistons. But he, he was even qualified uh, personally. He could not wait to represent his team in a different nation. Yet all of these factors didn't matter because the main qualification that mattered most was his passport, and he didn't have one. And since he didn't have a passport, he did not have the legal right to go to another destination. Thus, he was left behind. You know, that same thing will happen when the rapture takes place. All of those that have not received their spiritual passport will not legally, be spiritually, be able to leave this earth and go to the place Jesus has prepared for them. You say today, what is that passport? That passport is Jesus Christ. That's the passport. And today, you know what is sad? Many people think at the moment of the rapture, they think because they went to church, they think because they put a little money in the offering, they think because they were a good person, they opened the door for people, never got in trouble with the law, never did any of these things, was very benevolent, very good, very moral even. Let me tell you something right now. Jesus said, I'm the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you have your passport ready? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? And you know how you get that? You get it by faith. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not of works, lest any man would boast. It's the gift of God. Are you ready for the rapture? You know how you get ready? You make sure that you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not that you made a, a profession of faith, but you possess Jesus in your heart. Born again, born of the Spirit. You can look forward to the rapture when you're right with Jesus Christ. Therefore, having, been, having peace with God, we have been justified, the Bible says. Right now, I, like last week, we had a couple. They've been in our church for over a year, faithfully. Husband and wife received the salvation of their souls, walked the aisle to an altar, committed their life to Jesus. We baptized them in the first service. And guess what? Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Do not leave this church without your passport. If you would bow your head and close your eyes, Heavenly Father, you said that we could look forward to these things that will happen. We can look forward to it and we can be found in peace. Not in pieces, but in peace. 
right now, I want to ask you this. Are you 100% sure that you're ready? That you're ready? It takes more than desire. It takes more than being a good person. It takes more than coming to church on a Sunday, and I'm thankful that you're here. But do you have your passport? Jesus Christ, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, His righteousness. Today, right now, if you feel the Spirit of God drawing you, showing you that you aren't ready. When I talk about this, when I preach on the rapture, if fear and anxiety and worry flood your heart, it could be the it could be a way of the Holy Spirit showing you you're not ready because for those that are ready, the Bible says, we can look forward to these things. And we can have peace while we wait. We can rejoice while we wait. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Right now, allow the Holy Spirit to do some inspection into your heart. Today, right now, you would say, I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus Christ, confessing the Lord Jesus before men. I'm ready to do that. If that's you, we want to pray for you. If that's you today, and you want to make a public confession of faith between God and these witnesses, if that's you, here's your moment. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you today. Is that anyone today, anyone at all, anyone at all, anyone today. The Lord's dealing with you today. You want to be sure. You want to be ready. Anyone at all today, you make that decision. Don't leave today without your passport. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone at all, last call. Secondly, you're here today and when you can't help feel like you're getting caught up in everything that's circulating our world right now and it's caused you to be worried, it's caused you to be anxious, it's caused you to be fearful. And today you would say, I'm ready to acknowledge that and say that I need the peace of God to guard my heart and, and mind through Christ Jesus. If that's you today, we want to pray for you. We want you to be found in Him with peace. If that's you, lift your hand. We want to pray for you today. Anyone at all, anyone. Thirdly, you say, I have a great need today. God knows it. It could be in your marriage. It could be in your family. It could be towards a lost loved one that you're believing God for. It could be something in your body that you're needing God to do. And you say, it could be anything. If you just say, today, I want to be prayed for. I need to be encouraged. So that you raise your hand, this altar. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And lastly, Certainly not least, Jesus said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And it says this, that as often as you do, you remember the Lord's death. And you remember his return. We have communion that's available. If you would at this moment, please stand to your feet. I really want to say thank you for joining us this week. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach more people with the gospel of Jesus.